Hi, welcome to Unleash Ministries podcast, where Pastor Nathan Sanford will guide us through daily Bible studies, prophetic revelations, and life-changing encounters with the Father's love. Join us for near daily content as we dive into the Word of God. Everyone, so as promised, we are going to dive head first, not feet first, head first and heart first into First Peter. So if you haven't finished doing the Hebrew study that, that, you know, I did a whole bunch of podcasts going all the way through the book of Hebrews, definitely go and um, kind of check that out just to kind of get yourself acquainted with kind of the way we're going to do this. So we're going to go chapter by chapter, verse by verse. I think right now, man, we need the word of God more than anyone people has ever needed it. I think maybe other than the first century, I'm sure there's, you know, other crazy times in history. So maybe I shouldn't say it to that extreme. But definitely, we need the Word of God. Let's just say that right now. So, And we need to be rooted and grounded in the Word. So we're going to go chapter by chapter, verse by verse, literally through every single book in the Bible eventually. So right now, we've gone all the way through Hebrews, and now we're going to dive into First Peter. And I think First Peter is such an amazing book for this time. And I think because what you have to understand about what is happening in First Peter, again, before we even get into the text itself, it's always good to know, like, what were these people going through? And just so you know, they were about to suffer like some major, well, a lot of them already were suffering major persecution. And some were about to, because what had happened, so the backdrop of this, just so you know, is the great Roman fire had occurred and it burned literally one third of the city of Rome. So one third of the city of Rome was burned around 62, 63, 64, something like that AD. And the people in Rome were extremely angry, obviously, that this had occurred and they were blaming the emperor Nero. So that wasn't going to work for Nero at all. So he needed to have some kind of a scapegoat to blame. Now, up until this point, just so you know, um, mostly the the uh, the Christians were not viewed as like this sort of different kind of sect um, or, or like a whole different religion. They were literally just viewed as a subset of Judaism. And Judaism, and I'm not going to get this right, the Latin is like licite... Revides or something like that, um, which Latin, I'm not good with Latin, but <laughs> basically what that means is it was an okay religion under Roman rule. So it had been deemed like okay to be. So <laughs> basically you were kind of protected under uh, current Roman law if you were a Jew. And so you're sort of afforded those same protections if you were a uh, Christian because you're just considered a subset of Judaism. But now what you what you find is Nero is watching this kind of growing subset of Judaism that the Jews don't like anyway. And in order to basically both have a scapegoat for the Roman fire and to kind of like get even more support from the Jewish community, he decides to say, you know what, um, let's blame the whole fire on the Christians um, this weird subset who the Jews are basically saying, they're not us, and we'll just go ahead and agree with them, and we'll make them illicite lesivas, or however you say that in Latin, um, which basically means an illicit religion. 
um, and then they, they they will then be illegal and, and free to be persecuted. And so uh, Nero then began this massive campaign basically against all the believers um, throughout Rome, but in particular the ones that Peter's writing to. So he actually lists certain areas that uh, where these Christians are, and they're already beginning to experience persecution. And Peter is, gonna, is understanding that it might get way worse. So just so you know, they were doing things like um, throwing, they were basically taking uh, carcasses of animals and cutting them up and draping them around Christians and then throwing them to the wild dogs and they would literally be ripped apart uh, piece by piece. In some cases, they were being gutted um, and having poles. Sorry, I don't want to be super graphic if you're a younger, younger person listening to this, but they would jam them in orifices, I'll put it that way, and, and they literally would use Christians as torches to light the pathways into the city of Rome um, and other cities as well. And they would light them while they were still alive, and they would burn alive as living torches. So this isn't fun to me. I don't know about you guys, but I am so not afraid of death, like whatsoever. Um, death does not, I have zero fear of death. Like it, it basically means I get to go be with Jesus and I get to, I get to just rest in his beautiful, loving arms and put my entire hope of life and salvation and godliness in my faith in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And, and I, I'm looking forward to that. Like I have zero uh, fear of that, but I do have a fear of pain. So <laughs> having been through a, a, oh, my fair share of physical pain, uh, two back surgeries, crazy nerve stuff, 20 years of back pain. I mean, I do, you know, kind of get what physical pain is like, and I don't like it. I don't like physical pain. So, um, you know, again, I don't have fear of death, but I don't, I'm not, I don't really want to do the pain thing. I've done the pain thing. It's not fun. And I think some of you guys might feel the same way. But Peter realizes they're already under persecution, and it might get really, really bad. And just so all of you know, like, and this is true, I mean, maybe you know this, maybe you don't, but anytime you're a believer and you are going through something hard or you're about to go through something hard, this becomes, you know, I have a whole teaching on this that I, I, I won't do on the podcast. I'm going to do a deep teaching on suffering on the proper wineskin by which we need to view suffering, especially in this hour, um, what the, how the old wineskin viewed suffering. But anyway, um, to take a little piece of, of that teaching and to put it this way, like, you know, we know that God is wholly good and wholly awesome and wholly beautiful and that he loves us with everything that he is. And he's able to do that because of the sacrifice of Jesus and shower us with that. So when we come across and we go through certain things, it becomes very, you know, pain is hard. I'm suffering is suffering for a reason. And when you go through it, it's, it's, it, it, I don't know if I, it's one of the biggest challenges that you can face. I mean, especially depending on the nature and the severity of your suffering, especially if you're believing for some sort of breakthrough or some sort of end to this torment and, and it doesn't seem to come or it doesn't come for a while. This is, this is one of the greatest things as a Christian. In other words, let me put it this way. If, if we can find a way to not just theologically process like suffering and loss and hurt and pain and all of that, um, but, but to be able to do, uh, how do I put this? Be able to, to go through things 
in a way that both glorifies God, not just theologically, but glorifies God in every way, like the way we feel about it, the way we act in the midst of it, the way we treat others in the midst of it, the way we talk to him in the midst of it, the, how we approach him in the midst of it, I think I think is gigantic. And so I, I just want you to know that this First Peter, of course, is written to people who are going through or about to go through some hardcore suffering. And so Peter realizes this and tailors his message to them on things that maybe not even they want to hear, but they need to hear because they are, you know, because of where they are, because of the suffering, because of the pain. So let's just go ahead and start right off the bat. Just so you know, that's the context of this. He's not writing to people who are like living in la-la land, like who are not persecuted and doing amazing and, and there's a revival going on. I mean, he's writing to people and maybe there was a revival going on, but but he's he's writing specifically to tell them like, look, here, I need to encourage you with some things. So I want you to hear those two and see what we can get from this. So 1 Peter 1, 1 says this, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens. Now, I found this really strange. Like when I read this in the Greek, because I was looking at it in Greek just to be, because I was reading a commentary that brought this up. And so I looked it up myself and I'm like, oh my gosh, like when he says to those who reside as aliens, it, it literally reads to the elect who are sojourners to the elect who are who are aliens. So in other words, you'll find that Peter here, and I don't, I don't know why the New American Standard didn't translate it the elect, because that was it's like eclectos, like it's very clearly in there. He just says to those who, and I'm, I'm not sure uh, why the translators did that and didn't put that in here, but maybe they were leaned on the side of Arminianism as opposed to Calvinism. So they had leaned on the side of free will versus predestination, but I'm not sure. But anyway, what I want to say is Peter, in the very beginning, before he even gets into anything, when people are suffering, he reminds them that they're the elect of God. Now, I'm not going to get into, you know, how elected you are. Like, if we go way far into Calvinism, you end up with this really weird belief. Like, basically, humans have no choice about anything ever whatsoever, and it's all predestined and and it's almost like why pray or ever evangelize. It gets that weird. Um, but I, I just actually believe that we are predestined and we have full free will and our free will matters. Like our decisions absolutely matter and they do form and change things and they are real and legitimate. And I also believe that we are predestined. We are chosen by God and that that's very clear here too. So I'm not going to get into all that, but I'm just going to say this. In the beginning, Peter, I think he wants to remind them that they have been chosen, that they are the elect. And he goes on, as we get down further, you'll find he starts calling them the chosen race. Well, why is he doing that? It's because when you go through something hard, you need to know that God has chosen you. You need to be reminded that he actually is chosen you. <laughs> I, I don't know if you guys know this, but like usually when you feel left out, you feel tired, you feel like your faith is in the toilet, you're, you've been struggling, you've been in a really bad place. One of the best things someone can tell you is, hey, you're chosen. Like, <laughs> like God really has chosen you and he hasn't chosen otherwise, you know, just because all of this stuff is happening. It's not an indication that he's walked away from you. And, and I think that's why he uses that word. So he says to the elect, literally, um, who are aliens, and this is an interesting word too that we translate sojourners or, or you can translate it aliens. Um, basically, this is people in a foreign land. It's like, um, it's literally the diaspora. He, he's actually, and these, by the way, are 
Gentile cities writing to. So it's real interesting that we have the Jewish diaspora, which which is where the Jews were spread out and scattered all over everywhere. And he uses that same word to describe the Gentiles who are spread out and scattered everywhere. Um, but he says, but just so you know what that means, like an alien or sojourner is, is basically saying like, you know, you're not where you're supposed to be and you sort of long for home. And, you know, it's kind of like, he's reminding him, you are the elect, you're called into heaven's gates. You're called into the, the depth of the heart of God. And you're longing for that, even though you're somewhere else, um, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Who again? Watch this. Who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father? So, see, he's emphasizing because they need to know. <laughs> Maybe you need to know right now that you are chosen. He did pick you. Um, he did come to you, and and yes, you responded to that invitation. But he he doesn't unchoose you. <laughs> and I think that a lot of times suffering and hurt and loss and pain. Can, can sometimes make us think, did he really choose me? Like, am I unchosen now? Like, was I chosen when I, things are going great and, and God was blessing me and everything was awesome? But am I like not chosen now? Because stuff sucks, you know? <laughs> so I think that all of you need to hear this right now, that just because you're going through something hard, it, it, it doesn't change like God's heart towards you. So that I think that's why he's emphasizing who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Like God knew you and he knew you beforehand and he knew you knowing that all this crap was going to come your way, especially in their uh, situation. By the sanctifying work of the Spirit. Again, he's emphasizing that you are sanctified, made holy, and set apart by Holy Spirit who chose you. And so that's that's hardcore. And so, yes, of course, our choice is to respond to that sanctification or walk in that reality is incumbent upon us in terms of our choices matter. But nevertheless, he's the one who sanctified us. He's the one who set us apart. And emphasizing that, you know, no matter what you're going through, God hasn't changed his mind about you. God hasn't thought differently about you. You may have been thinking differently about him, but he hasn't been thinking differently about you. And he basically says, when you've been sanctified and chosen by the Spirit, then you obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. And this is an interesting thing, to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. He just always ties together like you're completely set apart, you're sanctified, you're made holy, and because of that, you'll obey Jesus and be sprinkled with his blood. And again, that's how you would anoint a priest. And so he's basically like saying, you. There's a, he said so much in just a few short sentences here. He's like, you've been sanctified, made holy, and set apart by the Spirit, and because of that, you will obey Jesus and you're basically in the priestly line. He doesn't say that directly here, but he does later. He talks about you being a holy priesthood later on. So that's what he's saying here. And then he says, may grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. And it's like, basically, it's like, look, you've been sanctified. And because of that, you're walking in complete obedience to Jesus Christ. And he said, because of all that, let grace, meaning unmerited favor and the absolute undying power of God and peace be yours in the fullest measure. And of course, he's saying that because like they're about to go through they're about to go through it. You know, they're about to go through it. <laughs> and this, and he's like, you have the power to overcome all of this. And not only that, but you can have peace in the midst of it. And some of that is realizing that you are sanctified, you are holy, and that because of that, you're walking in obedience. And because of that, all of this stuff working together, that you have grace and power and peace, and you can rest in this craziness that's coming your way.
So he says, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. But I can't even go much farther than this. I might even have to end the podcast because <laughs> I only want to do about you know, these 20-minute little sound bites for those of you who are driving to work and just need a little bit of the Word of God or need some encouragement. But he just says, Blessed be the God the Father, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's like... Oh my gosh, I don't know how anybody understands like like people are like are you born again? And it's like do you even know what that means? Like to be born again it means basically he has caused you through faith in Jesus to be completely born anew. Meaning you for what you were you no longer are. You're completely born as a new person. And as and again this whole thing is saying look, as much as you didn't cause your own birth the first time, you're not going to cause the second birth, your faith and complete reliance and totally uh, bending your entire will and submitting it to the Lord Jesus Christ for every second of every day causes you to be born again through the spirit. So you become a radically new person with new thoughts, new feelings, new desires, new emotions, new everything. And your whole heart is set completely differently than the first time you were born. I want everyone to realize like that's what it means. It doesn't mean you set a prayer at a meeting one time. It means every single thing about your being is now dedicated to and completely surrendered before the living God through faith in Jesus Christ and your whole faith being put in him. This is what it, it, it means. And if that happens, you now have a living hope meaning this kind of hope where you're constantly in an amazing like belief about who you are, about who God is, about what is going to happen here through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead that conquered death. So anyway, that's that's where I'm going to stop right now is just we're just going to stop. That's going to be first uh Peter 1 and not even shoot, we're 3 verses in. So <laughs> we'll we'll continue next time through the rest of the chapter or at least through as much of it as I can get through cuz we're going to talk about what he what he focuses on in terms of what do you do when you have all of this pain? What do you do when you have all this disappointment? What do you do when you have all these questions? And in their case, severe persecution, which may happen in America. None of us in America are severely persecuted, at least not by non-believers or, or even, you know, most of us in America are persecuted by other believers, which I know sounds so sick and weird, but man, is that not the case? Like we are, per- and so that I think makes it even harder in some ways, like to be persecuted by a non-believer for your faith is one thing that hurts, especially if the persecution is hardcore, like loss of a job or in their case, loss of your life. But what happens when you're persecuted by other believers, which in America will probably be 90% of your persecution will be by other believers saying things about you, writing things about you, just genuinely being jealous, pushing away, cursing you. I mean, this is, I know this is not fun to talk about. And uh, most of us have been the persecutor and the persecutee. So I don't want to put any of us off the hook. I know I have. I know I have said things and done things that were not of perfect love that I've had to repent for to 
towards other believers. But what I'm saying is a lot of us will go through this, and some of us at extreme levels, and that's, I think, sometimes harder even to deal with than persecution from non-believers. So we're going to talk about both of those things as we continue through the chapter. We'll talk about the persecution that that the the the, the aliens, as he calls them, the sojourners, um, the elect that are spread out all over this place, what they were going through, and how he kind of tells them to process it, and how, how maybe that can help us. So we're going to get into that right now. We're going to talk about persecution, hard times, all different kinds of things as we continue through this book. So um, look forward to hearing you for the next one. Talk to you guys soon. Thank you for listening to Unleash Ministries podcast. We pray you are blessed and encouraged by an encounter with the Father's love poured out through his word. If you would desire to bless this ministry financially, please visit www.unleashedchurch.org and click on the give link. Thank you.